I'm Meg Dahl, your unbreakable host. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Unbreakable You podcast. So I actually just got done meditating and I feel all sorts of like blissed out right now. So let's just dive in. I'm going to say happy April because this is the first podcast episode going live this new month of April. So before we dive in, just a little recap of March and how March felt. I feel like from everyone that I have spoke with, my clients and my close friends, it just seems like March may have felt like a more emotional or a more heavy or a more intense month for some of us. Uh, I know for me personally, March just felt extremely long, not in a bad way, but I was kind of singing to myself like, this is the month that never ends. It just felt like It was a never-ending month, which was kind of nice because I feel like January and February went by relatively fast. So it was kind of nice to have a month that was a little bit more slow-moving, but there was definitely a lot of emotions that came along with the month of March, and again, from everyone who I've been chatting with, close friends, clients, past clients, it feels like April has been kind of like this breath of fresh air for a lot of us. So I hope you're feeling that way too. One of the really great emotions I felt throughout the month of March was that I welcomed a lot of new clients into back home to you throughout the month of March. So I am almost at full capacity for back home to you. I actually currently have, while I'm recording this, I have one spot left for private coaching inside back home to you. So if you are being called to commit to yourself, commit to your self-healing and self-love journey, and you are wanting to dive deep within yourself and gain my support along the way, do inner child healing, heal from past misunderstandings and belief, and start doing that reprogramming process through self-compassion, self-forgiveness, self-acceptance. You can read all about how I can help you inside back home to you at megdoll.com slash back home to you. I give you a really good breakdown there and you'll get a really good feel for what 
is all offered in Back Home to You. But something that I changed this year is that Back Home to You is actually a private coaching program now, which gives us a lot more flexibility in our coaching calls. So we do follow the Back Home to You curriculum, but our time inside the coaching calls are literally 60 minutes of me showing up to support you at exactly where you are right in that moment on that day. So I'm really excited to welcome the next woman into the program and then from there I will be closing the doors for back home to you until more spots open up which will be it's looking like the end of May so if you don't want to wait until the end of May you can just schedule a free discovery call with me to learn more about back home to you and I would love to meet you on a discovery call and we can chat more about how I can support you through your healing journey. So that's just over at megdoll.com slash back home to you. You'll find it there and something else actually that I added that's new to my website is a client wall. So if you are wanting to feel like you want to get to know my past clients, so like graduates from the Back Home to You program, if you kind of want to get a better feel for who these ladies are, some of the things they walked away from the program with, their transformations, their accomplishments, I wanted to really highlight them and create a space on my website where I could share their stories and also their faces if they were wanting to share a picture of themselves with me. So you can go to megdoll.com slash client wall now. So client wall, it's the client wall. um, And I can link this for you in the show notes actually, but just head over there and meet my back home to you grads. Not all of them are featured there. I want to point that out just so no one feels left out. Not everyone is featured there yet, but as I collect their pictures and their messages, I will continue to add to this client wall. But head over there now just to meet some of the back home to you grads at megdoll.com slash client wall. So now moving into what we are going to be chatting about this week on the show, I have someone that I've been following on Instagram for a while. Her name is Abby Hanlon, and I'm really excited for her to come on and share her story. We just have a really open and honest conversation about motherhood and some of the struggles that she was personally experiencing that came along with her postpartum journey, specifically diastasis recti. So this is something that Abby 
was working through and she was hitting a bump in the road and had to make a decision that um, felt really like kind of full circle for her because Abby has also um, experienced eating disorders in the past. So I was just really enjoying watching Abby's story on Instagram and seeing her full transparency through the whole process of motherhood. And she shares her Instagram handle with us. You can find it in the show notes as well. But I really do recommend hopping over to Instagram, following Abby, because she really does just show up so beautifully on Instagram and share the full spectrum of what motherhood can look like. And actually, one of the quotes that I will be sharing um, from today's episode is just not to compare our journeys of motherhood. And I know I have a lot of friends right now who are pregnant or just had a baby. So newly entering that postpartum time in their life. And I think this episode is just a really great reminder to not compare yourself to anyone's journey and that things aren't always like sunshine and rainbows, but there is a community of women out there that are really being open and honest and transparent about their journey through motherhood. And you can lean on these women as supports. There's a really amazing supportive community that I'm not personally a part of yet. I'm not a mother or haven't been through that stage of my life yet. But I really wanted to have Abby on the show to share her experiences with us. So you're going to love this show. And I will chat with you all next week. Hey, Abby, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you on with me this week. Well, I am excited to be here. This is my first podcast. <laughs> I can't believe that because we've been like Instagram friends for a while, it seems. And I've been wanting to have you on the show for a while, but I feel like it's just kind of like divine timing with everything. When people come on the show, it's like, I want to have you on maybe like months and months ago, even like last year, because you talk a lot about body image and self-acceptance and things like that. And I mean, you and I just have a lot in common with that. And I wanted to have you on the show, but it just, I don't know, again, like I said, divine timing, everything happens for a reason. And yeah, you've been going through a lot of shifts over the past few months here, and I think it's a perfect time to have you on now. So I love that I get to have you on first. This is your first podcast appearance. Yeah, I, I couldn't be more honored whenever you brought it up um, through one of our Instagram conversations. I'm like, oh, dang, this is going to be my first podcast. It's with Meg. I've been following her for years now, and I was really excited, so... I'm happy to happy to share. Awesome. So for those who are listening and just meeting you for the first time, can you introduce yourself to everyone? Sure. I am Abby. You can find me on Instagram um, at Abby B. Hanlon. That's H-A-N-L-O-N. Sounds like there would be an I in there, but there's not an I. Um, 
I am a health coach and I work mostly with women that deal with like um, body, body image things. Um, that's why I found Meg's account originally um, because we have both very similar stories, honestly, uh, dealing with like eating distorted paths um, and healing through that process. So that's my, really my passion in my coaching business. Um, when I was 20 years old, I had my first kid and then I had another one a couple years later at 23. And my coaching business and my personal life obviously had to take a really huge shift with um, having children. And at this point in time, I'm sharing more, I'm leaning more towards sharing with women that are postpartum or struggling with very real um, issues that come up in motherhood and what comes along with raising kids. Um, often I think that it's glossed over and I personally can't not pay attention to the small details, like the really hard things. So that's what you'll find me sharing most about um, online and in my social media presence, because I'm just really passionate about sharing all of the things, not just the good, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So that's what I do. Yeah, I love that. And honestly, when you and I first started connecting over on Instagram, I thought we were like the same age, but I'm like way <laughs> older than you. <laughs> I'm six, so we're close enough. <laughs> So yeah, I love what you share on Instagram. Like you said, it kind of started off with like body image stuff. And now you're sharing more about motherhood and not just highlighting how much you love being a mom to two amazing little boys, but the challenges that come along with it. And I really love having these conversations on the podcast because it is the Unbreakable You podcast, and we talk a lot about what makes us unbreakable and these different journeys and stories that really lead us to realizing how unbreakable we are as humans. And I think the whole motherhood journey is definitely part of that. And I personally cannot speak to that. So I'm really excited to have you on the show this week. So why don't we just dive into that aspect since that is something that you're talking more and more about um, is the challenges of motherhood. So talk to us when you were or started going through motherhood, you said you, you had your first at 20. I was and, 20. It was yeah. a week before my 21st birthday, actually. Okay. Wow. Okay. And then your other, how old is your youngest now? He's three now. Okay. So, you know, you've experienced a lot of shifts over the years and maybe um, open up to us about what were some of those most challenging moments and changes within your life going through those years? Sure. Um, emotionally speaking, um, it's, it, I grew up in a really large family, so I was the oldest of 10 and so I grew up around a lot of, a lot of kids and, um, I was always helping out with the, the babies and it was something that I was very comfortable with and very familiar with. So when I went into a relationship and we were, you know, we wanted to start our own family, I was like, I'm ready for this. I'm, I'm prepared, but it's a totally different ball game whenever you have your own and, you know, you're the one up in the middle of the night, you're losing sleep. Um, 
schedule changes, you know, trying to learn about this person that you've never met before and adapt to their, their things and their schedule um, was really hard um, because it kind of felt like a loss um, on my part because I couldn't be my whole person whenever I was taking care of another one. And for a really long time, it, it made me lose part of myself and I, I let it slip away. And I think that's something so common with moms. They feel like they have to give everything to their children. And that, of course, whenever they're babies, they, they're innocent. They can't do anything. You have to take care of them no matter what. Um, we forget to take care of ourselves in the process. So that's kind of how I started um, sharing my story um, on social media, just surrounding motherhood, because it's hard. And um, I wasn't finding uh, too many friends that talked about the hard parts. Um, so I was like, I need to talk about this. So I considered it like my diary almost, where I just write about struggles I was experiencing, um, really hard things that I was going through. And so that's like the emotional standpoint, mental standpoint of motherhood that was really hard adjusting to. And then also physically adjusting to motherhood was really difficult, especially um, I kind of mentioned in the beginning that I had struggled with eating disorders in the past from like age 12 to, geez, probably after my first was born around 21 or 22, that um, just all the changes your body goes through to grow a baby and then it looks different whenever your baby is born. Um, that was a huge one for me too. It really threw me for a loop whenever I had to grow um, in order to grow a human <laughs> and then also look different whenever it was done. So adjusting to those changes was really difficult. And then um, after I had Isaac dealing with um, all of the, the muscle, the mydiastasis muscle separation was really difficult because that was a huge, huge physical change that almost made me revert back to some um, disordered, I guess, disordered relationship with food and negativity towards my body um, because I did look very different. Um, although it, there wasn't anything I could do about it, I did my best to work through that time. And I really did get to a place where I felt very at home and so comfortable in the body that had grown two babies for me, um, although it was so different than it was before. So it was, it was a really long and hard journey to um, grow to love and accept and be truly in love, not just say, you know, you can hide behind words all you want, but getting to the point where you really feel comfortable um, with who you are and how you look, because it really doesn't matter. It's just how you feel on the inside that reflects on the outside. So that was a really long journey. Um, but that's, that about sums up motherhood. It's been one wild ride, but... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. So talking more about the diastasis, because that's part of your journey that you've been talking more and more about recently, right? So you mentioned that that was obviously like a part and it's part of basically everyone's like journey, right? You can educate us more because I know you've done tons of research on it over years, right? So why don't you educate us a little bit more on what that is, why that happens, and kind of what it looks like? Sure. So 
diastasis does happen to 100% of women that have a baby. It physically has to happen in order to, for your belly to expand that much to accommodate the baby. So um, your muscles, your stomach muscles will separate. So in between the stomach muscles, there's tissue called fascia. And that's what spreads out to accommodate your belly whenever the baby's growing. So that'll either stretch out to accommodate. Um, and then sometimes, most of the time for most women, it goes back to normal after you have your baby. For some women, it does not. It might require some physical therapy for a few, for a while after you have your baby. Um, and in some women, you can do all the physical therapy that you want and it still doesn't go back. So it's not something that happens to everyone um, as severely as I was dealing with, um, but it, it does happen. And the hardest part about it is that here there's really no information from our OBs or our doctors surrounding that topic. So it was kind of something that I had to figure out on my own. I knew ex as soon as I had Isaac, who's my second, my second baby, right after I stood up, after he was born, that there was something very wrong. Because um, I, I stood up, it was probably 30 minutes after he was born. And I had to like physically hold everything that was in my stomach. Like I had to push it back, back in. So my, my fascia, which is the tissue that's in between those muscles was so stretched out that it was, it was pr too damaged to go back. Um, However, I did some really hard work for about three years um, to try, do my best to try and heal that because there is ways to do that with pelvic floor physical therapy. I worked with a chiropractor for a while um, and did make some great progress in healing that. But ultimately, um, I had to make this decision where I was like, do I keep going? Um, do I want this to be something that consumes me? Um, for the rest of my life, because um, it was something that was uncomfortable for me every single day? Um, or do I take the next step and get surgery to repair it that way, um, which was a really hard decision to come to because I, I wrote about it um, probably a couple of weeks ago or maybe a month ago before I got the actual surgery, where it was like a really full circle moment um, for me, because back back in the day, whenever I was in the throes of an eating disorder and really struggling with um, how I was looking, you know, you feel like in those moments, you would do anything to change what you look like, or you'd, you'd do whatever you could to look different. And then here I am now in, in the present where I really, truly love the body that I'm in um, and have worked so hard to get to that point where I had to make this decision where I was like, do I keep loving my body how it is, but feel uncomfortable? Or do I get um, the surgery, which is a cosmetic procedure to physically um, sew those muscles back together and change what I look like on the outside. So it was like a very full circle moment. Like I couldn't even believe that I was in the situation that I was in. I wasn't angry about it, but it was more so like, wow, I can't believe years ago, this is something that I would have even entertained the thought of doing just to look different. But here I am now um, needing something like this done because 
there's there's the damage that's done on the inside so it was very very weird situation to be in to get to the point where I was like okay I this is something that I'm going to be doing um I had to mourn the loss of the hard work that I did you know to get to the point where I loved and accepted the body that I had um especially postpartum um and then know that it was going to change so much after I underwent the surgery yeah yeah what an incredible like journey and so many things to consider to make that final decision to move forward with the surgery so you had done so much like mental and emotional healing and you truly did accept the postpartum body that you were in but it wasn't like the aesthetic part for you it was and I can only imagine so the way that you describe it it's like there's varying degrees of having this condition right and yours was just so extreme that it's kind of hard to move through just like your day-to-day life and actually feel like strong Mm -hmm. moving through yeah Right, for sure. Um, I mean, it was the silly things for me, like drinking water or um, eating, which is obviously something that you have to do on a daily basis multiple times a day that got so uncomfortable for me. Um, just how how loose everything was in my abdominal wall um, forced so much distension. It was like cons- constantly bloated and distended because there was nothing protecting that area for me. But all, I'm very grateful for all the physical therapy that I did over the years because I was able to use my body and make it very very strong with um the instability that I had in my core so I was able I was I was able to be very um fit and active and overall very very healthy in that body but it was just there was just times where it was so uncomfortable and it, 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 I had to decide, did I want that forever or do I do the next thing? So, mm-hmm. yeah. So maybe for all of the women listening that are in a similar or the same position as you, can you share with us some of the things that you took into consideration when you were making your decision? Sure. So the first time I got confronted with the option to get surgery I was only eight months postpartum with my second and it was a very huge, it was a huge shock to hear that this type of procedure was so invasive and required so much aftercare and rehabilitation and a full recovery is basically a year. So I was a little taken aback at that point. Um, when I, they first told my first physical therapist told me that that was my only option. Um, at that point, I was really determined to do the hard work and heal it all on my own. So, um, I took another two years to do my own research. Um, that would be my advice is to find people that are going through something similar to you that you can feel comfortable with and that you can talk with, um, about what you're going through, because sometimes I don't know if it's the same in all areas, but in my area, my, my midwives didn't have much to offer me in terms of what to do next. They said, Oh, go see, um, a physical therapist. They'll work with you for a while and probably heal it up and you'll be fine. 
Um, but that wasn't the case for me. And I, it, it felt kind of like I was let down by the people that I was entrusting my care to. So if you are, if you do find yourself in that position and you do feel like you can do more, don't give up right away because I, I did physical therapy for six or eight months from the time he was born until um, the first time I went to go visit a surgeon and eight solid months of physical therapy every week is a lot. And that's a lot of hard work to do. And I was like, I'm not ready to give up yet. So I made a lot of connections on social media that um, really helped me um, take the next step into finding another physical therapist. That's my highest recommendation is finding finding people that you can talk to. And then number two would be pelvic floor physical therapy. I think it should be something that's mandatory for every woman that is entertaining the idea of having a baby, hasn't even had a baby, and then does have their baby. It should be mandatory. I honestly think that. Um, and then from there, you can kind of feel out your situation and uh, the best best route of care for you, because you'll know better than anyone else how your body feels and how your body responds to certain treatment and care. So it's a very intuitive process. Um, it wasn't all by the book. Like you can read, you can read about it. There's so much on the internet and you can Google whatever you want, but you have to make sure that you're paying attention to yourself and how you feel with how everything's going. Um, you can't look at someone else's story and expect it to be the same as yours. Um, even though we are all experienced, any woman that, woman that goes through this is experiencing it to some degree, but it could be different for varying reasons. Mm -hmm. Yeah, quick question about diastasis. So over like throughout your research, can someone who has never been pregnant also struggle with it? Um, I've actually heard of like bodybuilders that, that get it because all of the heavy weight that they're lifting, it caused like an abdominal, um, slight abdominal separation. So I know like male bodybuilders, I've read about that. And then I'm not so sure about women, but I'm sure it could definitely happen. Yeah, that's something that I've been trying to do more research in for sure. Um, so I'm going to have to look more into that because somewhere along the line, I read and now I like can't find where I read it, but it like linked it with people like women who had had eating disorders in the past. Mm -hmm. I, honestly, that does not shock me at all because... Uh, especially if you were someone that deprived yourself for years and years on end. Um, I have no doubt that has something to do with how severely I experienced this because it was what, 10 or 12 years that I was basically depriving my body of everything that it needed. So that doesn't just go away overnight, you know, like you can't expect your body to just bounce back and be all right, you know. Um, that's a lot of years of nutrients and vitamins and minerals and everything that you need um, to not supply those tissues with the strength they need. So I have, there's no doubt in my mind that there's a direct link between an eating disorder and someone that might experience this. Yeah. Like I'm distended all the time. <laughs> so, yeah. oh, 
all the time. And obviously, as you know, I've never been pregnant. And so that's why I've like done research in the past. I'm like, is this a thing? Like, do you actually have to be pregnant? Um, Yeah, you can feel for it, though. Like if you just let if you don't know if you have one or not, um, this is like the little test they do once you have your baby. Um, You just kind of lay on your back and then do like a little crunch upwards and then just like push around on your stomach and you should be able to feel like where the muscles meet. Um, or not me at all and in my case like my muscles were this far apart like five fingers apart yeah everyone she's holding up her hand (laughs) so (laughs) wow that's how far they were apart I I know I have done that test before and I guess I just don't really know like what I'm feeling for and do you know what I mean like if you don't really know what you're feeling for and what's normal and what's not I don't know. Um, But wow, fascinating. Yeah, that's definitely like something worth looking deeper into for sure. But let's go back to your story because I know a really important part of your story was actually sharing with everyone, okay, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm moving forward with because you had gone through eating disorders because you are a health coach and you talk a lot about body image and supporting women through that journey. This is, There's just like this thing on social media where we share so much of our life, right? And then something else happens and it's like, okay, well, gotta share this too. And then there's the thoughts that we have, okay, what are people going to think Right. Mm -hmm. And then dealing with maybe some comments from other people, which actually don't matter in the end. Right. Because it's it's about you. This journey is about you. But why don't you share that part of your journey with us? Okay, so specifically in relation to that question, which part of the journey? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, the beginning of it. So what um, how did it look like and what did it really feel like for you to share this part of your journey with everyone after being you know on you have a social media presence you have a following on social media so I think this the answer hearing your answer to this question is going to help our listeners whether they are in the same situation or if they've gone through anything, I mean, even for me, like I remember sharing for the very first time when I was going through HA recovery, I had been doing it for months before. Like I started HA recovery August of 2018 and I didn't actually share it with everyone until December because it was like I was still navigating the waters, right? And there's all that mental stuff that we deal with as the person sharing or the person about to share this like information that's really important to us. And it's like, do we have to share? No, but we kind of feel like it's almost our duty to share as someone with like a presence on social media. And we feel like, okay, we have to let the people that we care about even if we don't actually know these people, right? We have to let these people on social media know. So we are being that like authentic, transparent version of ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. 
Okay, so there's a lot of days where I just want to banish social, social media from my life completely. Um, but most of the time, it's like, it's so common and widely used, um, some for bad, some for good. But if, if by me sharing something that's really important to me can be a light for someone else, um, it's worth it. So I know when I was in the depths of some really difficult times in my past, um, finding someone that was really positive on social media specifically, or someone that I could relate to that was going through the same thing I was, if I, if I wasn't necessarily talking about it, but I heard someone else talking about it, I didn't feel so alone because it can be really hard to find someone that's close to, close to you, um, you know, in real life or in person that will understand what the same things that you're going through or that you're dealing with. So it was really scary to start sharing at first because that is such a intimate detail. Um, like kind of like you said, I remember the first time I shared about having an eating disorder um, on social media, I was like, I cannot believe I am about to click post on what I just wrote. And then I did it. And I remember just sitting there like sweating for like 20 minutes. He was like, oh, everybody knows now, like everybody knows. Um, and I can't, I can't go back. I mean, I can delete the post, but I'm not going to. So, um, but in a way it's also really liberating because I know I felt much freer um, and I was able to really move forward whenever I finally said it. And it was very therapeutic for me to just share everything that I was going through because I know there's a lot of people out there that need to hear it or that want to hear it or that are looking for answers that they they don't necessarily know what the answers are but maybe um it's something that I share or some something that I say that could be of great help um especially when it came to the surgery um it was really hard to start sharing about that and I did very publicly share about it for a long time um up until last year I actually completely deleted an old Instagram account of mine because I was getting so overwhelmed with the amount of people that were um, messaging me or commenting on things that I had written about how I should do something different or how I should um, not be doing what I was doing. And it, it became too hard at that point. So I had to kind of go into like a self-preservation mode and just like completely tune it out for a while. And I, I actually completely deleted that account and migrated over to a little bit of a smaller one um, where I knew I had to um, reframe how I was going about things and be in a better place in order to be sharing those kinds of things. Because I know not everyone's going to vibe with everything that I say. They're not, they're not, they're not all going to be believers, you know. And whenever you share stuff like this, you kind of set yourself up for that. <laughs> so not everyone's going to be okay with it. And that's okay. It's just knowing within yourself and knowing within the community of people that supports you that it is okay. And you're doing what is best for you. And if you know that you have helped one, just one person, then for sure it's worth it. Um, I'll throw, throw this out there really quick. I'm an Enneagram too. So this probably makes a lot more sense if you're familiar with the Enneagram with what I'm saying. So yes, definitely. And most of our listeners definitely are familiar with the Enneagram for sure. 
I attract a lot of twos into my life. That is for sure. I feel like if you're like a heart-centered Enneagram type, you like just naturally attract a lot of twos, threes, fours in your life as well. All those emotions. All of the emotions. Yes, absolutely. Um, Okay, so that was really helpful. And I totally agree with you. You know, by sharing our story and just showing up on social media authentically and being super transparent about our journey, even though we don't have to, but we feel like, okay, even if I share this and I can be that light for one other person, Right. And I mean, even just by you sharing your journey with me, like it caught my attention and I've just been following along. So how have you been doing post surgery? How are things going for you? Uh, Really, really, really well. Like, honestly, I I cannot complain at all. Um, The first week was hard, definitely for anyone who's listening that is entertaining the thought of going through this. Um, the first week is really rough. Um, I took pictures to document, you know, how I was feeling throughout that time period. And the first picture I took um, whenever I got home and I had to walk from my, like, I got wheeled up. We have a really huge hill in front of our house. So I got wheeled up in a wheelchair because I obviously couldn't walk up the hill at that point and got pushed into the house. But I had to walk a couple steps to sit down in my chair, like recliner that I was in for a while. And I took a picture immediately after I sat down and um, I just had like tears streaming down my face and I was sweating and I was in so much pain um, just from taking like those six steps to sit down into a chair. Um, And so I gradually, you know, it got better from there, but the first week was really, really hard Um, physically, just, you know, how, how painful it was. And then also with the kids around and them having to go through the adjustment as well, um, knowing that I couldn't pick them up for a little bit. They had to be careful, um, you know, not to bump my belly or anything like that. Um, it was hard. But it, if you do all the right things, if you take good care of yourself, drink tons of water, you know, eat nourishing foods and just be really forgiving with your body for what it's going through. Um, I took it really slow. And here we are today is, is exactly six weeks um, out from the operation. And I feel really, really good. Um, you can read all the stories you want, but your story will be your own. So I tried, I tried to mentally prepare myself for any outcome. I'm someone that likes to mentally rehearse any, any obstacle that might come up. So I put myself in every possible situation before I went through this and thankfully everything is going really, really well so far. That's awesome. I'm so happy to hear that, Abby. And so for our listeners who do want to follow along your journey, maybe they find themselves in a similar position and they'd like to reach out to you, where can everyone find you? I spend most of my time on Instagram at Abby B. Hanlon. That's A-B-B-Y with a B and then H-A-N-L-O-N little community over there. Um, I, I will be sharing on stories and posts and I throw some memes in there sometimes too. So that's where I'm at. Awesome. Yeah. I'll have your Instagram handle and 
that link so people can just like click over and find you over on Instagram. But one more question for you before we wrap up, and that is what does it mean to you to be unbreakable? Ooh, that's a hard one. Unbreakable. Uh, being comfortable with with yourself, um, embracing insecurities even, just knowing that you're a whole well-rounded person no matter no matter what anyone says or no matter what you might see on the internet, it doesn't matter. Um, just being completely you and not being worried about what anyone else says because it doesn't matter. You're a cool person just how you are. So embrace every single part of that. I love that. Thank you so much, Abby. This was fun. Thank you.